This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by the patrons of the Rural Woman Podcast. This amazing group of individuals contribute financially to the Rural Woman Podcast to ensure the stories of women in agriculture hit your earbuds each and every week. Want to join them in supporting the stories of women in agriculture while getting access to extended episodes, patron-only episodes, and other great perks? Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon. Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today you'll hear from Sarah Reedner. Sarah still considers herself to be a newbie farmer. She and her husband are both first-generation farmers and started farming officially in 2017, although they had been doing urban farming in their backyard of Calgary, Alberta, prior to that. Her farm, Happiness by the Acre, is located just outside of Didsbury, Alberta, on 153 acres of prairie grazing land and riparian areas. Sarah primarily considers herself a crazy chicken lady, although she has also earned the title of cow whisperer over the years. Her farm has a mix of livestock, including pastured laying hens, heritage breed cooney cooney pigs, grass fed steers, and free range ducks. During the summer months, the farm also hosts a herd of cattle from their friend's cow calf operation. Now you may recognize the name Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre. If you are a fan and a listener of the Rural Woman podcast, because Sarah has been a Patreon executive producer for many years now and is a friend and huge supporter of the show, which I cannot thank her enough for her support over the years and all of the support from the patrons of the Rural Woman podcast. To be honest, I wouldn't be able to be in your earbuds each and every week without the financial support of the patrons of the show. So if you are listening to this right now and would like to support the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Woman podcast, head to the link in today's show notes and learn more about the benefits that you receive for joining the Patreon community. Besides being able to hear my voice through your earbuds each and every week. Again, head to the link in today's show notes or head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more about becoming a patron through Patreon of the Rural Woman podcast. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with my friend, Sarah. Sarah, welcome to the Rural Woman podcast. How are you, my friend? I am trying to stay warm. Yes, that's that's where I'm at right now. That's that is fair. The goal. That is very fair. Same here. <laughs> Same here. 
<laughs> well, I am so excited to chat with you this morning. And we'll just we'll just say this before we hit record, we were giggling and we're like, no, we have to stay on track. We have to get this out here. <laughs> we have to get down to business. I know. I know it's hard. Yes. <laughs> I know. It's hard when you feel like you're just having coffee with a girlfriend. <laughs> exactly. So Sarah. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. Here. <laughs> I am I'm so glad to finally be able to record our conversations and share with other people how wonderful you are. So For the folks who are unfamiliar with you, give us your background. Who are you, Sarah? And how did you get your start in agriculture? Well, I, uh, let's see, who am I? First of all, I'm a first generation farmer. So I know a lot of people can relate to that more and more these days. But obviously that means um, came into this with no farming background. My husband is also a first generation farmer. So neither one of us had any experience really. And we currently uh, live in Ditsbury, Alberta, and our farm is just outside of town. But uh, I was born and raised in Calgary and made the move to Didsbury just this last summer, which is a bit surprising that it took this long to finally get out to the country officially. But yeah, we, I think for, we got into farming. It was a bit of a long road to get to the point we're at right now, obviously. But it mostly just started because I grew up, my mom had a little veggie garden and like we would just grow basic carrots and peas and things like that as kids. And so I just always had that around and same with my husband. His mom was a big green thumb and so was his grandma. And so it did never occur to me that people didn't realize how food was grown or like had no concept around how, how food gets to your table. And it was early on before we got married and I saw just like, it was a random, I think a documentary or something on TV about these kids in New York that had no idea that carrots came out of the ground, that they weren't like already processed and in bags in the grocery store. Like there was a story behind that. And I was floored. Like it, it really hit me. And and we were thinking about, you know, starting a family eventually and what that would look like. And it was, wow, like we can't raise kids like that. Like that we had like what these generations have to know where food comes from. And I want to know more. Like, I mean, I just know the basics, but I want to know, the rest of the process. And then also in diving into that learning about how small farms just seemed like they were on the way out, like their families, nobody wanted to take over them and they were just having to close down and move along. And so it was just in all of that, it was more this interest in the background of local food and small farms. And so, you know, we moved at that time we were living in BC, we, we moved back to Calgary and started a big veggie garden in our backyard, of course. And then my husband got into urban farming and then started, uh, we were one of the founding farms with YYC Growers, which is a local growers cooperative in Calgary. And yeah, it just kind of kept going from there, small steps with all of that. And eventually we're like, okay, I think we need land. Like we need, we need more space. We can't just keep growing in people's backyards because for one, we wanted to try livestock. We were, I was really wanted to get into chickens, the gateway drug to farming. And so we finally, we spent a lot of time looking at what we would want on a farm. And we really didn't, we really kind of just wanted a blank slate of a farm and we found one through friends of friends and realtors and things that weren't up for sale yet and somebody who was just trying to downsize and he was really keen on the fact that we were these young young little family we had our son at the time and actually wanted to take care of the land like we weren't just setting out to try and farm on it we he there was lots of natural spaces on the farm here that he was, you know, he was pretty concerned about those being maintained as natural spaces. And we're like, of course, like, like we would want to fence this in more. We want to take care of repairing areas. And right away he was just like, okay, you, yeah, you guys are the folks to take care of this land. And so that was, I get goosebumps still thinking about that random connection and how that fell into place. So, yeah. So then we, we were lucky enough to be able to, to buy this land and then again just step by step getting a farm set up on it like 
that's like a lifelong endeavor. <laughs> it's I, I laugh because it's kind of ridiculous how much we've tried to do in a short time on this property. So, but yeah, that's, that's how we got into it. So again, it's kind of just this long journey. And if you talk to anybody from my past, like some of my closest friends that I knew as kids uh, that I'm still in touch with, they just kind of are stunned. They're like, I never could have pitched you farming. Like this is not at all where I figured you would end up, but, but it makes sense somehow. Like, yeah. Yeah. I love those stories. And I love that connection that you have with people from I, it's essentially your past life because I feel like once you've jumped into agriculture and into farming, it's it's an entirely different life. And if you're not in it, you don't understand it. <laughs> no, not at all. No. So I'm curious, what was like in your past life? What was your career path? What were you doing? So first of all, so Marcus and I met actually in art school. We were both at the University of Calgary majoring in fine arts and visual arts. And so we were like art kids, like nobody, everybody laughs at that when they find out art kids became farmers. But yeah, so we were very creative. He was more into the web design and technical side of things. And my official job title was keyworder, but basically I was doing all the tagging on on stock photography, Calgary has a lot of big stock photography companies that are connected to worldwide companies. And both my brothers happen to work in that industry. And I, with my art background and stuff, managed to get a sweet job doing basically being a digital librarian, which is like totally up my alley. I was like, good, I don't have to do a lot of meetings or interact with a lot of people. I can sit here and look at pretty pictures. <laughs> it was, yeah, no, I, I still like, if I could somehow meld that it's still a part-time job or something. I really enjoyed it. It wasn't that I didn't enjoy my work. It was more that we both definitely that jump from, you know, just doing urban farming on the side and our office jobs. It was more like we one want to dive in more with the livestock, but two, like just to be outside all the time and really working with our hands. Cause there's still this working with technology, being online it's, it can be fun and it can be rewarding, but it's not the same as getting your hands right in there, like the blood, sweat and tears of it, right? Like I just, yeah, we needed that physical connection, which is why we made the jump finally. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast or many people know, but I was like, I was the drama kid in, in school. <laughs> you were not, not really. I was. Yeah, for sure. Musical theater and everything. So if this doesn't work out, maybe Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> you better keep practicing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will keep practicing in the shower. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so tell us more about your farm and side note to everybody. I've actually been to Sarah's farm before, so I feel like extra cool getting to talk to Sarah <laughs> because I know I can visually see what she's talking about because exactly. I've been there. Yes, so. <laughs> she's gotten the pleasure of being on hand and seeing the chaos of all the animals. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, so we're not a crop farm, we, uh, but we're doing uh, like small mixed farming is what we fall into, I guess. And mostly we've because when we bought the land, it was a traditional grain farm. It was very compacted, a lot of heavy tractors and just kind of a rotation of three or four different grains over decades. So the soil itself wasn't in great condition. It was very, it had not a lot of soil, like organic matter. And like I said, just, it was so hard. Even when we first started putting in our first veggie patch, it was just like your hands were bleeding at the end because it was just so tough to get in there. So anyways, we we knew we wanted to do grazing in order to get the soil back up to where it should be. And so we did reseed back to pasture most of the property. And there's still a, a bit of a market garden space where um, people can grow. We have um, friends and, and some of our farmhands in the past have grown in there. And then so the focus is on livestock these days. So we we have a small, I think we just have nine steers right now that we're finishing off to sell for beef. And then we have six 
pigs, the Cooney Cooney pigs from Whispering Winds. Thank you very much, Kelly and John. <laughs> Shout out to them for getting us hooked into pigs. They're they're very nearby, so that was that was a real cool thing too. And uh, so they're on pasture, and then we have all of our chickens because I'm a crazy chicken lady. And those are laying hens that we keep year-round, and we sell our eggs into Calgary mostly. And we also have ducks, which I often forget about, not because I, like, I really enjoy our ducks, but I just, they're so easy that I almost forget that, to mention them when people are like, what kind of animals do you have? And it's like, oh, right, we have like 50 ducks as well. So, <laughs> and again, those are for eggs. And uh, we have kind of a, a niche market for the, the duck eggs. And they're, yeah, super delicious. And then in the growing season from like June, July through to October, depending on um, the season and the weather and whatnot, our friend trustingly grazes, we get to graze out his of cattle out on our farm so that's where we're doing all the work of really rebuilding the soil is with his cows um, he has a cow calf operation so all the mamas and the babies and a couple of bulls come over and we move them every day from different sections of the farm and they're a real treat it's it's actually hard to watch them go every year back to their home farm it's just like oh but we could keep them. And then the flip side is like, I don't want to do calving season. So it's okay. You go, you go. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I said, it's a mix of everything. <laughs> then the new babies get to come back in the spring after they've been born and they, you know, the 3am calf checking, all of those things. All that stuff. He gets to do that. He and his wife get to take care of all that. And uh, I don't have to do that. So. <laughs> yeah. You can help support the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Woman podcast on Patreon. What is Patreon? It's a membership-based platform that helps fund and support creators like me to create and produce content like this that you all love. New to the Rural Woman podcast, Patreon is ad-free listening and patron-only bonus content and exclusive episodes. Learn more and join the patron gang today at patreon.com slash the rural woman podcast. So what have you noticed? So you purchased your farm back in 2017, correct? Actually, we purchased the farm back in 20. 2013. Yeah. Uh, Sam was just a little baby. Our oldest was just a little baby. It was, yeah. So, but the, for several years, it was just still leasing out to the grain farmer that had been working at so that we could just observe it through the seasons and see where the wet spots were. And like, I mean, just, there's no way we were going to dive into anything until we could, you just have to watch the land through all the seasons and see and different years. And so, yeah, I think it was really 2017 was the year that we actually got on farm to do more like we spent the summer in a trailer without running water and <laughs> yeah all that fun stuff <laughs> all that adventure <laughs> so what have been some of the most significant changes that you've seen in the land since you first started your rotational grazing with the livestock for sure a variety of the different uh, plants and grasses that are growing out there. I mean, we seeded it with like a, a huge variety of different grasses. And then since then have just like broadcast, like hand seeded in random things uh, to help as we got to know the cattle and some of their needs. But yeah, just to be able to look out now and see the variety that is coming up on its own and the bare spots are starting to fill in where they had just really been hit hard. They were... We weren't sure how how much they would recover in some areas. And then the organic matter has gone up. We do soil testing every year on that or every other year, depending on. And it's an ecosystem now. Like it's not just these little, these fenced in areas where there's a pond and some natural areas like an old beaver dam and things like that, which we keep protected. 
But now the rest of the farm is also an ecosystem. Like there's salamanders and frogs all over the place. And like, it's just, and and that wasn't there when we first, like the first two years that we were doing this, you didn't see anything like that. And so to just like, just it's, it's the noticing the stuff underneath your feet as you're walking through and like, oh, wow, wow, that's starting to come up. Like, or you can start to see these animals and uh that's been the most rewarding part of some of the changes that we made is to actually see it coming back as an ecosystem and not not just a field basically right so yeah and i can attest to that like your your fields and your pastures are beautiful and there was so much diversity there and coming from a crop farm you know and we ourselves are organic, so there's always something a little different growing in there. But like when you're looking across and there's a field of canola and you see something different in there, it's like... It stands out as a bit odd. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it should, shouldn't be there. Is somebody going to go spray it out or pull it out or whatever it is, right? And it's like, no, when it's you know done properly like this, you want the diversity in there and you want the different things growing and specifically and especially for your animals like to have different forages for them to eat like what a treat for them <laughs> oh yeah and that's been that was part of the challenge we did our pastures and what just took and what was really seeded in was the alfalfa which is great but it's it is a really heavy alfalfa pasture and so we do we are always on the lookout for bloat in cows depending and so we're always watching and trying to manage that and you know, adding in some dry matter. But we've also added in some other plants that help combat bloat. And so that was one of those things where just watching what our pastures ended up being and what the animals needed. It's like, okay, well, you know, it's not that they can't be there or we need to get rid of the alfalfa. It's just, okay, we add in this mix of stuff now and we try and we just monitor everything. And so it's, yeah, it's definitely always that working with nature is what we say and not trying to work against it because we don't we don't have the manpower or to do that (laughs) it's just and and like and just don't have the the interest in trying to work against that like we're just yeah no she's gonna win eventually so i just (laughs) exactly she be powerful yes she be powerful What have been, I'm going to put you on the spot here to think of off the top of your head, what have been some of the biggest like learning resources for you guys in your journey through this pasture grazing uh, phase of your farm? Honestly, we could not have done it without our mentor and some of the, uh, just like a handful of the people that we've met through getting the farm going. And it was sort of, again, it was one of those like, just people coming into our lives and into our journey at the right time. Like we never could have, we couldn't have planned it, but it was just um, when we were trying to get uh, fencing put up, we didn't even have perimeter fencing. So that was one of the first things we did was get perimeter fencing for the farm. And our friends got us in touch with the fellow to do it. And then we were asking him if he knew anyone local who could put in a dugout. And he's like, well, my brother does earthwork stuff. He has an earthworks business. Okay. So we get hooked up with him. He comes on site and we're telling him about the kind of farm we want to do and how, you know, we, we don't have any experience with cows, but ultimately we want to have cows grazing out here. It turns out he has the cows. So he is the one with the cow calf operation. And so it's just like, yeah, I mean, we couldn't, our, the greatest resource has been the people that we've met and being a, like they've, we've obviously you met, you meet people along the way that they're not super keen about city folk buying farmland and they think it's going to be a rec land or just like a hobby farm. But I think once they get to know you and realize how serious you are, it changes their attitude towards you. But mostly we've been met with people that are very keen to pass on their knowledge and to learn from each other. like like Jim, our mentor, we, we've learned from each other still too. Like it, that's, it's just an amazing relationship. So, I mean, you can, we obviously, we read lots. Marcus is a reader and a researcher. He, that's his, his deal. He loves doing that. And I just go for it and then tell me about it a little bit, but I, <laughs> I'm not a reader. So obviously there's a lot of that as well. And then 
in more recent years, it's been through podcasts like this, where I can hear about other, specifically other women's journeys in farming and, but also learning about how they do things on their farm. It's like, oh, like I learned about the Cooney Cooney pigs from a podcast. And it was like, we could have pigs because we could have them out on pasture. They're not going to root and dig like, okay, it opened this whole door of learning about different livestock. So yeah, honestly, it's mostly, I feel like learning from each other when it comes down to that, that greatest resource, which is makes me worried about everyone retiring. And like, we, we, these younger generations, we need that knowledge. So yeah. I'm very similar to you in how I learn. And I shared this recently. I don't learn from textbooks well. Like that knowledge does not stick in my brain. I learn from story and from people's experiences. And I feel like that way I have that stronger connection. And that is what wires into my brain. I can remember. I can remember hearing a story about so-and-so had a cooney cooney pig and what they did and like how they don't root, all of those things. And then I can pass that information along versus if I was to tell you about their genetic makeup that I read in a textbook, it's never going to happen. <laughs> No, I know. No, me neither. Even just like, I'm not great with numbers. We were talking before about how we, neither one of us is good with math, but like, I'm just, I'm not great with like, you know, the, the shakedown numbers of where body mass should be like, just for, for finishing off animals and things, but looking at like, can I look at the animals and tell what they're healthy and happy, or if they're not healthy, if there's something wrong right away? Yes. Like I, like I have that. So it's, it's more of a, some more instinct and just like experiential visual learning is how I work. And then and Marcus complements that with all the, the actual research then if I have questions and, and yeah. Those are great partnerships to have. Yes. Oh, I know. I think you, you got to have that balance. So it's all good. It's yeah. true. It's so true. Sarah, looking back, are there anything that stands out to you that you think, gosh, I would I should have, or I would have, or I wish I could have done something differently when we first started to where you are today. I, for sure, with in some ways, I, oh, in a lot of ways, I wish we hadn't waited so long to dive more fully into farming. There's like, there was just a lot of life reasons that made us hesitate being city folk and first generation farmers and not really having farm family support. But then also there was like, there was a lot of illnesses and uh, big family losses that kind of kept us close in the city where the rest of our family was. And so, you know, you can't change that in hindsight, but really now I'm like, I'm so happy that we finally moved to Didsbury to a small town. I wish we had done that sooner so that we weren't so divided. It was, we, it felt like we were living part life for so long. Like we lived in the city, but we weren't really doing city life stuff. And, but we were working out on the farm, but we weren't really living out there. So it was, yeah, it was just this feeling of being uprooted a lot. And so I do wish that we had, we had committed earlier to just going hog wild and then doing just the farming and because, you know, you've got one life to live. So this is, and we both realized this is the most satisfying thing for us. This, we weren't, you know, we weren't changing our minds yet or anything. So <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> no, I don't think it's happening no, for no. you either. I truly don't. I want to flip that question. And uh, what are some of the things that you are most proud of when it comes to your family and your farm? I, well, it comes down to the whole, like, learning something new every day. Like, I mean, there is something new, whether it's something new about the animals or equipment. I learn something new every single day, which, I mean, you know, it's, that's life too for a lot of people, but these are like it, it, I find that so refreshing to always have that stimulation of learning these new things. And I'm proud of the fact that we can be that adaptable, like our, as a family and as individuals, as we're working, like it's that flexible thinking, okay, well, this didn't work out. So what do I, what do I need to learn? What do I need to change? And it's, yeah, that, I think that is, um, I'm pretty proud of how we've managed to handle that. I also am just, <laughs> 
I've been so proud of, for myself of like, just, I'm an animal person by heart. I've always loved dogs and cats, but like to just walk out into a field of cows, having never touched a cow or been around a cow and just to give her like, just, you know, I'm not being stupid and dangerous about it, but it was just like, this is how I'm going to learn. I I've got to cross over this electric fence and I, I have to go out there and put myself out there and, and, and see and try and read these animals. And yeah. And so, I mean, again, that's not, you can learn some things from the book, but some of, a lot of it is just, you have to give it a try. And I think in past life in like, you know, decades past, I would never have done that. Like I was just much more hesitant and resistant to change. And just, whereas now just, you got to step in there. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to step in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we step in that a lot. Yes. We step in it a lot. That's amazing. So I want to answer this question for myself for you because we have been connected for what seems like a very, very long time now. And for the listeners who are listening to this, they're like, Sarah Reedner, that name sounds really familiar. (laughs) Sarah Reedner has been a proud, I assume proud, uh, supporter of the Rural Woman podcast for a very, very long time now. And I can't tell you how much that means to me and uh, your support and knowing that I have a good friend in Sarah Reedner, that makes me (laughs) real happy. I want to say that things that I've noticed of you and have been proud of you for is the community aspect of your farm and including your community and growing your community, whether that be your local community with your farmers and your mentors, but also your customer base. Like you have some really loyal customers and that says something. And especially in the year that we are now after the pandemic and after it seemed like buying local food wasn't that cool anymore after you could get it in the grocery store again. I want to commend you for your community that you've built because it's absolutely incredible. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, we, it's, sometimes it's farming can be, I mean, it is, it's very, it's very isolating. I mean, just the nature of the work where you can't all be together the whole time doing this work, but we definitely feel that community support through our customers and even just the online community too, that we have people following our journey, like that that people are even interested (laughs) in us building a farm and getting this going was, uh, was amazing. And we've always from day one, I think been story sharing like focused so and not and not in a selfish way it was more just like we're learning from huge mistakes and I want to make sure other people can know that before maybe they have to do that or I can learn from them too so this just sharing our story with people has always been a big priority and in that being very open about everything on our farm from the good stuff to the really really ugly bad days right like and always happy to have people visit as you know to the farm and actually show off we're not hiding anything it's very transparent and like yeah just I think it's amazing for people to have that physical connection to just come and see right so yeah yeah well and like you said learning all those years ago that there are people who have absolutely no idea that a carrot came from the ground. And, you know, me being a guilty party of that, like, you know, maybe not to that extent, but in a lot of other ways, right? Um, And to further commend you on the sharing of the stories, sharing the hard things can be, you know, something that other people just cannot grasp. Um, You know, like, I can't understand why you would share your journey in mental health or losing an animal or making a mistake like that and whatever else. But I have so much respect for people who do that because that's how we all learn and that's how we all grow together. And to know that, you know, there's no such thing as perfect as much as we all would like to try. (laughs) We're all going to make mistakes. 
And obviously we learn from those. I hope that we don't make those same mistakes over again, but even you know, Sarah's sharing like journey of mental health in agriculture, you know, I, I myself, I didn't start sharing my own journey until I heard from other people who had done it and I knew how much it helped me. And so I have to commend you for that. Like, thank you for sharing everything, whether it's the greatest day on the farm or the worst you've ever had, because those, those stories are really important to share. They are. I I wholeheartedly agree. And I mean, not just so that people get the whole breadth of what like the struggles are, but so that like it normalizes it. I mean, I know everyone else is having, they have really bad days too, right? Like, and they have really great days, but just to normalize it more. So it's not that picture perfect scene you're not imagining me out there with this gorgeous basket, picking eggs in a flowy, flowery dress, not covered in poop and blood or something. It's just like, those are things that just, it's not how this works. And it doesn't like, I love our animals, but like, it's hard. And yeah, so, it, and that with the mental health aspect, a lot of that too is just, it's part of the healing and staying healthy is being honest about where we're at. It's so tiring to act all right and good all the time. Like that's just exhausting. And it's so much easier to just say I'm not okay or, you know, than than to hide that anymore. And so, yeah, it's definitely, I always try to encourage people when they're ready to share their, their own struggles or, and, and we struggled with infertility and, and all sorts of other things too. And those are huge stories for people that a lot of times doesn't get talked about. And it's just, I'd love for that to be very healthy to share with it, with each other. And I think, yeah, it's, a, oh, that mental health stuff. I had no idea with agriculture, you know, like I was not I, I I had depression when I was younger. I had my oldest brother was an undiagnosed bipolar and he treated himself with alcohol and we lost him at the age of 40. So I am not a stranger to mental illness and those kind of struggles, but I had no idea that it is so bad in agriculture, like just the suicide rates. And I mean, it's scary. It's so scary to hear about that stuff. And so, yeah, so we definitely, and we try to be intentional about taking care of ourselves. My husband and I, we both have mental health struggles, you know, but you get bogged down with all of the stuff every day. Sometimes it feels like you just can't get things right and and you're dealing with living creatures and it's a huge responsibility. It's a really huge weight on top of being a parent, like, it's, like that's, that's in there too. So yeah. So, but then, yeah, we just, we do have our times when it gets really bad and we have to step back again and be like, okay, like we've got to get intentional about this. Cause it got scary for us this fall with a few things and really had to come down to the conversation of like, if we don't do something pretty dramatic to take care of ourselves and each other like one of us might not be here in a few years like it's it's getting bad so those are yeah I, I encourage people to like I always I like the one meme I see sometimes about check in on your strong friend because you know what they're not strong all the time and so yeah and that whole after we lost my brother my mom really started the routine of how are you doing? Like, how are you really doing? Cause she doesn't want to, she didn't want to hear, Oh yeah, I'm good. Like, no, it was the, no, the real, the real, how are you doing? And so that's what I think we need to do with each other too. That right there is, is extremely powerful, Sarah, the, how are you doing? And, you know, I always, <laughs> I always preface myself. It's like when people are asking me, how am I doing? Are they actually asking Right. Like if we're at the grocery store line and they ask me how I'm doing today, I probably shouldn't dive in. But there are the people who I will dive into and say, this is actually how I'm doing. But all of the things that you said there, the thing that I take 
most out of it is that your mental health is your health. And when we think of our physical health, you know, we always think it's better to be proactive than reactive. And I I think the same thing for our our mental health. And for us, I know when we're getting into the busier seasons, like right now, you know, it's a little bit more relaxed, like we have some time. But in the back of my mind, when the snow starts to melt, I start to think like, okay, what do I need to be doing now in order to prepare myself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of these things for the spring when we don't have this extra time? And you said it's exhausting being okay all the time or presenting that you're okay all the time, right? So I, I'm so I'm so proud of you for knowing this about yourself and knowing these things because it's a lot of work to get to that place and it's always a learning. You're never you never stop. You're always learning about yourself and your mental health and what you need. Yeah. And I think it's also become more apparent as our children are getting older. Our oldest, Sam, is now going to be turning 11 in a few weeks and our youngest, Bo, is four. But now to see our oldest, like he knows what mental health is. Like he know. like it's just starting to realize that and realize my mental health and things that I'm not taking care of or I am taking care of he's noticing, like he's picking up on that stuff. He's learning from that. And so being very conscious now of going forward, because I definitely want his generation to be even more normalized with talking about mental health. Getting help is fine. Like that's, we should all get help, you know, like that should just be part of it. And even Bo, he's so, (laughs) the other day he was it was a bit of a handful at the grocery store. And he said to me, deep breath, mama. And I was like, yes, I need that. And it's like, cause I, I could have just like shook him a little or like gotten out of there and dropped everything. But it was like, okay, yeah, let's do deep breath. So just knowing that how much they're watching some of that. And I just, yeah, you know, you want them to do better than you have in the past. Like there's no reason they need to go through years of repressing anything. Like just let's get this right for them too. So. So good. So important. And honestly, I think to myself, like what a gift that is to the future generation that we get to have these conversations now and we get to talk about what we've struggled with, how we've gotten through it, how we're still learning and changing in order to make the next generation just that a little bit more smarter than we were. Yeah. Or just that more open or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Just whatever it is. It's not. Yeah. So, yeah. All the good things. Sarah, what is next for happiness by the acre? Oh boy. We have to always try to like rein ourselves in from stuff. Cause you know, things like let's buy a hundred ducks and just try that. Out. <laughs> Those kind of things happen quite a bit on the fly. And mind you, we prepare, like, you know, we do some research about how to take care of ducks and whatnot. But so we definitely, we've done, when COVID hit, we were doing home delivery to our customers in, in Calgary and in Cochrane and realizing that that's just not sustainable for us with the little bit of manpower that we have and the price of gas. And so we were slowly going back to doing pickup locations. And so that's like next year, we're going to be dropping our home delivery and doing, we have these beautiful wooden egg huts, as we call them, with a little fridge inside. And some of our dedicated customers are hosting those at their houses in different areas. So we're, it's kind of switching our business model a bit, which is, um, it's a bit scary, but also I think it's going to be, it's going to be worth it in the end, just for us to be on farm farming. And we also, you know, we'll, we'll keep adding in some steers to to grow out our grass-fed beef and see how that goes for us. And I'm always about the, like, adding in some more fancy chickens because <laughs> I have to have a collection. I was already looking at the wait list for a few different breeds that I need to get on a wait list here for in the spring. So there will be that. I just happened to mention that to Marcus. I'm like, by the way, <laughs> I've got us on a wait list. <laughs> 
and he's not surprised at all. So yeah, some of those things and just because like this is also going to be an interesting year because this is the first time again we're going through our all of our firsts of being so close to the farm. It's a 10 minute drive as opposed to over an hour, right? And so that's just, it's all seems very new each month now as we're going through these new seasons of being right here and being able to spend that much more time on the farm. So I think I'm, I'm anxious to see how that, how that goes. I can only imagine all of the fancy chickens that you are going to have out there. Oh, I will send pictures out. Don't you worry. <laughs> hey, I'm coming to see though. Like I'm, I'll make the drive. I want to see your fancy chickens. We got to, we, we need to name another one after you. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I, I'm wondering how uh, Caitlin, the chicken's doing uh, only if they're alive. <laughs> Yes, I'm sh- no, she is, definitely is. I just was like, we should have we we should have put a colored band on her so we knew that was Caitlin. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> okay, so we are going to go into our new segment of the rapid fire questions here. Are you ready, Sarah? Yes. No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Our new rapid fire segment is brought to you by Canada's Egg Day. On February 15th, 2023, people across the country will celebrate the food that they love and the people who work hard to produce it. In addition to being a day to celebrate farmers, producers, and all participants in the agri-food industry, Canada's Agriculture Day is one of the few times that consumers can hear the industry speak with one voice. Canada's Egg Day is a day for farmers to share their pride and their love of food. So no matter how you get your social, make sure you are using the hashtag CDNAG Day, Canadian Egg Day, when you do. And for more resources, you can check out the link in today's show notes or head to eggdaycanada.ca. All right, here we go. What is one animal that you would add to your farm no questions asked. A donkey. A donkey. Okay. Yes. Always wanted a donkey. And yep. I just, I don't, I don't really have a reason. Just donkey. Yeah. Okay. So funny side story here. <laughs> I never know if like rapid fire questions are, you're supposed to go really fast or not. So I'm the boss. I can do whatever I want. So <laughs> the other day while scrolling on TikTok, there was a slew of donkey videos that I received. So when you say a donkey, I'm like, oh my gosh, you need a donkey. And I referred to it. I sent my husband a message and I said, I need a donkey. He said, why? I was like, it'll be like my depression donkey. So if I'm feeling sad, exactly, I'll go see the donkey. It's the therapy donkey. Exactly. I love right? it. No, we need therapy donkeys. Maybe we start this business. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> On your farm, I'll come visit your depression donkey. Yeah. <laughs> All right. If you could add any piece of equipment to your farm that would make your life easier, what would it be? Oh, so not an equipment girl, but I really wish I had like the plow attachment for our little UTV, like just so I don't have to drive the giant or well, you know, for me, it feels giant tractor around to do some of the plowing and I could actually plow spaces for the chickens who are little princesses and don't want to step on the snow. (laughs) They can go outside, but the snow has to be shoveled and it's a lot to shovel. So yes. I think you have officially spoiled your chickens. (laughs) (laughs) More on that later, but uh, (laughs) this could answer the last of our rapid fire questions here. What is one chore that you would like to hand off that you would never have to do again on your farm? Oh, it's totally shoveling out the duck house because they're just, they're messy. Ducks are lovely, but they are messy and their straw just gets so wet and we don't even keep their water inside, but it just gets manky and wet and it's heavy. And yeah, I wish I did not have to like pitchfork that out again. That would be awesome. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Sarah, my last question for you is what is the most rewarding part about being a rural woman for you? I think, and I was even like in the bathroom this morning, I was like, she's going to ask it and I got to have a good answer. (laughs) 
But I mean, it really is about being able to walk a life journey with each of our animals. They're not all, they're very rarely born on our farm, but they come to us as like Dale chicks or, you know, young pigs and, or the calves. And I love being able to just walk along that journey with them until their final day. Like there's something just so connected in the world and in the earth to doing that, no matter how hard or, you know, how mischiefy the calves are or, you know, whatever issues you run along during that journey. But just from that, like beginning to end time with the animals is powerful. And I, it's hard to explain to people that don't work with animals about that. You know, a lot of people, they hear that we end up having to kill our chickens or, you know, or that we will actually eat our pigs and our steers and things. And they're kind of horrified that we would, you know, you could not, not, not that we consume meat, but just that we could care so deeply for these animals and then have to say goodbye to them and like, you know, choose that. But it's, yeah, there's just something really feeling rooted with that. I think it's like, and just that connection to creation and these animals and the bigger world then. And I, I've never experienced that with anything else. Like I just, I don't know how else you find that. So. Yeah. I don't know if you do. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Sarah, it has been just lovely chatting with you today and I appreciate you so much on so many levels. So thank you for coming on here and sharing your story with us. Well, thank you for finally pushing me to do it too. (laughs) Not very many people I have to strongly convince to do this, but you are one of them and I cracked it. So I'm happy about that. (laughs) For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? I'm most active on our social media with Instagram. And so it's happiness by the acre on there, but it's a little underscore between each of the words. And we're also on Facebook and we have our website, happinessbytheacre.ca. But yeah, like that, if you really want to follow along the the daily fun, (laughs) it's on the Instagram. Perfect. And I will link all of those in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you and see all of the upcoming really fancy chicken. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or if anybody wants to recommend some, I'm all ears. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thanks again, friend. I really appreciate you. Yeah, I, I appreciate you too, Caitlin. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim & Co. Online. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story.